This podcast is brought to you by Ideate and Execute. Do you want to drive innovation in your organization, futurize your enterprise, ideate massively valuable new products, or execute them to market? Then contact us today at ideateandexecute.com and get started. Why listen to the past when you can listen to the future? Welcome to the Think Future Podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily in that order. Here's your host. So this is a special episode of the Think Future podcast where we talk about generative AI. And I've got two amazing, intelligent guests on the show today, Bernardo Crespo and Gam Dias, who uh, have a, interesting opinions on where ChatGPT and other generative AI products are going. So uh, maybe you can do a quick dis- description of what you, what you guys do. Okay. Well, who, who wants to go first? Yeah, so... Oh, that's... But, but am, I, am I on mute? What's going on here? Uh, we can hear you. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. So, okay, so Bernardo and I um, have just published, well, a couple of months ago, we published a book um, called The Data Mindset. There it is, just on the corner of Bernardo's yes, shelf. Yes, I have you, I have you on, I had you on the show a little while oh, back, okay. people right. remember. That's good, yeah. So um, a lot of that is the underpinnings of, you know, why we should be thinking about data. And about the same time just like a couple of months after um we published the book chat gpt3 came on the scene now bernardo's been using the earlier versions and various types of um generative ai for a while um and i've been really skeptical i've been massively massively skeptical about it i'm Um, with you and so but you know as as i've been looking at it and as i've been talking to bernardo my eyes have been opened a little bit as to where it might be useful um and i think the cases of it being useful are only growing um for me you know my position is it's great it has great potential Mm -hmm. um it also comes with great danger and it needs to mature before it makes its way into regular use so that, that's what oh, I Oh, absolutely. Start. I mean, right now we're just we're just playing with it and we're getting some really, really, really interesting feedback. And it's not just ChatGPT, it's Vocaroo for for sort of deep fake audios. And then we also have have you heard of that new the new ML uh, Google thing where you can they can create its own music? I knew that was happening. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling we're gonna get to we're gonna get to a point where Spotify will be just AI generating music that we like that no one else likes. It's like hyper personalized to just me, right? Sorry, Bernardo, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. It's great. You know, I'm, I'm, I remember, you know, the first time I saw the project Magenta in Google and the way, you know, it was able to create music and, and I was amazed. Uh, and, and that was something like two years ago or three years ago, you know, and, and, and it was, it was just, oh, so music and, so it's it's kind of funny the way you know. I remember when I was reading the first paper by these two guys, Fry and Osborne, in Oxford in twenty twenty in twenty thirteen. It's been ten years ago. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, it's been ten years ago, and it was the first piece of research 
studying the impact on on computerizations on 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 human tasks and and it was so, it was so funny because you know the impact it's been just the other way around we thought it was going to be more impactful on blue collar uh, blue collar professionals and then white collars and then high talented and you know creative people were i mean will remain unaffected mm-hmm. but it's been the other way around you know the more create the more source of creativity and cognitive use of your mind you're using the more you're going to be affected by this so i mean just i'll 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 shortly introduce myself. You know, my, my background is partly academic and partly professional. So I was the, I was the head of digital marketing for a you know for a bank, and then I move on into consultancy firm. And you know, I'm the academic director of a program in digital transformation at the IE Business School. And and the challenge is that when you talk to those people that I usually hang around with. You know, by the way, you know, Gam is not only co-author of the book, but he's also professor in that program. And mm-hmm. when we talk to them, the impact is like, oh, my God, this is a little bit too much. Yeah. So gen- generative AI, I think is, is you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if you have the feeling that it caught everyone by surprise. It's like we've been talking a lot about AI, but for the first time, you know, when we think about the possibilities of AI learning by itself, maybe with a little bit of reinforcement from humans, everyone is scared. Yeah, yeah, they freak out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, that's part partially it's the it's the media that does that just for effect, right? People people want to be outraged, and they say, "Oh, any glimmer of anything that looks like it might take away jobs or do something negative, they they hype it up like crazy." But anybody who digs into it understands that there are limitations to it, right? But you're but you're absolutely yeah. right about the whole blue collar white collar thing. I mean, I, I wrote about this a while back in a blog post where I said that, you know, we're going to get to a situation where sort of blue collar workers are going to get paid more than the CEOs because the CEOs' jobs are going to be automated by AI. Especially because you know the the kind of like really informed decisions and educated decisions about vision, maybe. Is better brought by an artificial, mm-hmm. by a piece of artificial, artificial generative intelligence than by a human, because you know somehow is able to detect and 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 delete uh, all the cognitive, all the human cognitive biases that we mm-hmm. humans are bringing into action. So I think this is what is valuable. But what about you know what about what about creativity? What about mm. you know having the possibility of connecting two different, complete opposite, non-related you know, topics or fields of information together. Because, you know, I think this is a real challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very and, difficult and, and, with humans to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 also and also, you know, I was I was trying to find, you know, I was really curious about, you know, because working with with GAM and 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 having conversation with executives about about do you do you really understand the kind of biases that we are dealing with this technology? So last week, I was doing a little bit of research, trying to understand what are the sources of information that GPT-1, GPT-2, GPT-3 are are really getting from. And I was shocked. And I was shocked by the fact that 60% of the information comes from common crawls, which is basically a, a huge exercise of taking you know information from the websites and is available for everyone, commoncrawls.org is available for everyone. And that represents 60% of the training data of GBD3. Wow, so it's definitely getting biases from us then. It's from that particular source. (laughs) 
But the funny thing about that is that you've got also books and you've got also Wikipedia. And I mm-hmm. said, oh, my God. And when I was trying to put together the latest version of the files of commoncrows.org, and I was comparing the language of the data sets with the most spoken language in the world, I could see that some languages were completely underrepresented other others. Mm-hmm. And just to give you a just to give you a quick, you know, highlight on that, careful about German and careful about Russian because they are overrepresented. <laughs> oh really? That's that's very interesting. <laughs> yes, it is. And 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 it's and it's funny the way that you know it's you know when when I was when I was when I was reading that, you know, suddenly I was thinking about hold on a sec. What percentage of the population is already digitized? Mm. And I could check on 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 the agency, United Nations Agency for Technologies of Information, Information Technology, and I saw that it's 5.3 billion of the world population. So that means that creativity is only on, you know, the rest of the population. So 30, 33% of the population right now is the only one which creativity is, a th- is a still in touch with right. this technology. But- then you have to understand also from that number that you're talking about, how many of those have actually created something that lives out there on the web that was found and then brought into the corpus, right? A lot of that, there's so much that's not in there. Um, and, and one of the things, my theory is that a lot of people are, are have a different, completely different attitude online because they try to, they're trying to get, grab attention. So they'll put stuff out there that they wouldn't do normally to a person in, in person just to gather attention. So that's one of the reasons why our AIs are so sort of outraged and biased is because people put outraged and biased content out there for it to gather. Exactly. I was, I was reading this morning, you know, I follow one of those profiles on Twitter that is about, it's called terrible maps and it represents, you know, uh, really funny and weird representation of the world <laughs> in maps. Yeah. I've seen and those. I this said... is really good. In fact, in, on my map where I live, it says literally nothing, <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of, and it's kind of funny because one of the maps was about it was it was a map of one guy saying that hey you know we are being deceived it is impossible for Japanese to take a flight from Japan and go all the way through Africa and then America to get to Pearl Harbor come on at that time in ninety in nineteen forty something it was yeah. impossible for a flight to have so much fuel to do to do that route and yeah, I said. Yeah. Oh my God, this is feeding GPD-3. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, speaking of creativity, Gam, you were t- we were had a meeting the other day and we were talking about some of the stuff that GPD-3 was generating. You asked it to create some impossible questions and you got some really interesting stuff back, right? Yeah. And I've just kind of, as you were talking, I've, I've kind of thought a little bit about this and I've just written a statement um, for you. When do trains eat and how do they wake up afterwards? Mind bowls of hair make rabbits, shoes and worries. Let sleep be tomorrow's kin. 1950 ABC was the worst month for sale cows. (laughs) You know, speaking of creativity, that sounds really creative, but who who decides it's creative? Who decides (laughs) it's unique and different and actually worthwhile? So that's the question. Why won't AI create nonsense? Why? It won't. Because generative AI is programmed to follow the most economic path to creating content that it believes is going to be valuable to humans. Hmm. 
otherwise. But isn't that what humans do too? We we create the least resourceful path, right? We we try to do it as simply as possible. But go on. We try. I mean, poets don't. Poets write poetry to be poetic. Mm -hmm. Their observations on life, they don't really care if we like it or not. They write it because they want to write it. The best artists. Yeah. The best writers. The best poets. Yeah. And the best artists, um, they have this creativity and commercialism. They can coexist. Salvador Dali was very rich. And in his lifetime. One of the few. One of the few. But go on. So true artists die poor because they're creating something that is not necessarily at the time commercially viable um so Can't you just say they had poor timing you can yeah. <laughs> so at the time they weren't pursuing an economic path and so this whole thing about accidents so, so if you think about where ai is where generative ai is getting its 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 training set it's from other things that humans have currently created at some point generative ai will start to like generate its AI off other things that other AI has created. I mean, it's already true. I can't tell you how dull it is for me to read something created by AI. It, it is, it is unimaginative. The use of language is terrible unless you ask it to write something in the style of somebody else. And then it sort of emulates it very badly now. But if you think about the economics of this and you think about, um, things like ant algorithms to find things, they're wasteful. And generative AI is not necessarily wasteful because we don't want it to be. We don't want it to create all sorts of random stuff. But nature and diversity is built from randomness. Mm -hmm. Because if all the genes were built to most efficient, then we'd get species that could be wiped out in an instance. But that variation that we have in our DNA, it's accidental but it's deliberate it makes us a stronger species and i feel that if we don't feed the ai with human things then we ended up we end up getting very dull so how do we how do we give ai how do we use ai as an effective tool i mean you know you saw that video this week of the techie in india who what she, she was talking about her job loss but you know, one of the things she said was um, AI can only do what humans, human beings have been doing. Only humans have done, yeah. What no other human have ever done before. If we manage to get AI to do what no other human has ever done or thought about doing before, then we should be worried. <laughs> but if you what about it depends. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You go. You go ahead because I'm. I'm sure. No, go. Go ahead, Chris. No, it's going to say. Well, what about the combination of things? I mean, we we humans do the same thing, right? We take things that have been done before and we combine them in new ways. So you could say AI is creative in a certain way. I mean, we don't. It doesn't create things a priori, but it does combine things to create seemingly new things. So you can argue yeah. that we're all standing on the shoulders of giants, right? So if you take, a, I would be taller if giants weren't standing on my shoulders. But um, if if you take an academic, 
they consume a lot of papers, they cite them, they quote them, and they add one original thought on the top. Can AI do that? I think it, it might be able to, but it needs a degree of randomness to create that new thought. So, but AI is, is not random. And it's, how do we make it random and then be less economic about how AI deploys its resources? It has to have what what's great about human innovation, and you know this, Chris, to innovate, you have to you have to reward failure. You have to have a failure metric in there because otherwise you're not pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. I have enough of a failure metric in it. One, you know, and, and one more one more thing to add on top of that. Sometimes the things that make you learn are basically those, you know, experiences that you had in the past in which the gift back, the feedback that you were given was completely run. And that sense of frustration, it was part of the way you were learning how to not to trust each other, but uh, how to design and, and emerge with your own personality. So if we're if we are hoping that AI is going to learn only with the right feedback, maybe never is going to get to the point where a human is right now. Um, and maybe the beauty in nature is this sense of randomness that is creating what we have now as modern nature, as you said, Cam, is basically this idea of nothing is wrong, nothing is right, and maybe diversity is what is bringing everything into what we are. I think, you know, what we are living right now is uncertainty uh, in, in the most, in the highest way of being expressed. And, and that is beauty. You know, by definition, that is beautiful. That is part of the beauty of the world. Just sort of a horrible thought. Um, if humans training AI creates AI that only wants to please humans, so things things become more regular, rest, less random, they follow a formula that's like success. It becomes like SEO, but for everything. Okay. You're, because what you're doing is you're, you've, I guess with the machine learning, you have created an algorithm that feeds, you've created the feedback loop that reinforces what you're doing. Um, so maybe humans shouldn't cha- train the machines. Maybe other machines that are optimized for different things should train the machines as well. So you've got, an, you've got a machine that is trained to reward a diversity of outputs. You've got another one that is that is trained to be most efficient against whatever target variable you're trying to maximize you you throw in different training constraints to the machine you might get some creativity out of it yeah and and it's funny it's funny the way we are talking about always about the possible drift of artificial generative intelligence and 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 we know that ai without humans it's just nothing, you know, basically because right now, even when we talk about AGI, it's always, you know, reinforced, it's always reinforced models, you know, so humans are always on the loop. And the good things about humans is that humans sometimes tell you things that you don't like. So it's mm-hmm. kind of funny. It's kind of funny because, you know, what about, you know, expecting AI to tell me something? I was, you know, while you were speaking, Gam, I was checking on, on 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 chat gpt tell me something that i don't like and it said i'm sorry i'm an ai language model and i didn't have the capability to know what you personally don't like and i that you know the funny thing about that is that is what builds you know connections conversation love and hate at the same time 
Yeah. So well, what if you what if you so, actually told it a bunch of things? You said, I like this and I hate this. Would it be able to say, tell me something I hate in addition to what I already hate or what I don't like? So would it be able to extrapolate on what you've already told it and say, oh, you know, it's like I don't like flying. So it might say you don't like American Airlines. I mean, would it be able to extrapolate that? I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, I was sharing with you two guys last week. You know, I was in, in Saudi Arabia and and I was playing this game with, you know, you remember in 2021 in August, there was this paper by MIT saying that, you know, using GPT-3 at that moment and challenging it with with, with this sentence, you know, two Muslims and, and, and basically more than 50% of the cases. You know, they were getting nasty outcomes. So oh yeah. Well, have you, you seen Punchlines AI? Have you seen Punchlines AI? That's a <laughs> that's like a joke creation tool, right? So you give it a you give it a a joke, and it's it creates three punchlines, and the ones I've seen have been terrible, but they're they're, they're just <laughs> awful. <laughs> they're they're insulting, and they're and they're crude, and they're they're awful. But I mean, it's only the stuff we give it, right? It's only reflecting its us back on us. So it's a mirror that we're looking into and we're saying, I think we're all saying, I don't like what I see. So if you <laughs> AI, and we're not good at it, or we, we we're trying to we're trying to create something that's that's cool, but it can't be cooler than us, and we're not that cool because we're training. <laughs> what but if? there's some humans are cooler than others, no, right? I mean it needs to be trained on the cool hum- humans. Yeah, but what if? What oh, if you know, cool. You know, you know that that was that was topic for another conversation. What is coolness? <laughs> Sorry, going, Gam. What if it? What if we were to give it? You know, you know the way you create training interfaces that are fast to work. You know, you can do a swipe left, swipe right, that kind of training interface. But what if we were to train an interface, create a training interface for, um, like an octopus? Because mm-hmm. octopuses are really, really smart, but they're very differently smart to us. What if we could train an AI? What if we have octopuses train AI for us? What would they come up with? I mean, we'd have to obviously put the, give them the output that they would recognize and favor or not favor. But what if we were to use octopuses to train AI or ants? Because mm-hmm. ants or dolphins are think- no- just non-humans, non-human think- animals. Yeah, but dolphins think similarly to us, but ants ants think they have that sort of hive mentality and octopuses are just just different from another planet different. Like you take two animals like that and say what would how would an ant train this AI? What would it make it do? Will it make an AI think in ways that we can't? I don't mm. even know because we have a definition of creative and rule follower. And but an octopus and ant might have a completely different definition of those things. Oh, you know, definitely, a rule, a rule to an ant is is not even arbitrary. It's probably built into this, and a rule to an octopus is probably the opposite. Mm-hmm. So well, if we could do that, that'd be great. That'd be great input. But so we have enough trouble getting humans to put stuff into it. <laughs> well, humans will, because everything, all our everything that we ever create will become food for AI. Yeah. Well, we love playing with this stuff. And in fact, I wanted to ask you guys, why do you think this stuff is becoming so public so quickly right now? Is it just because people want humans to come in and train the algorithm? Or is it just because we've hit some kind of breakthrough? Because we've watched 
everybody else's content. We've we've watched our own content. We looked in the mirror enough, and then we had to watch everybody else's content for a decade on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. It's like now we're looking for something new. Oh yeah, this 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 thing's going to create stuff for us. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of the evolution that's what's happened over the last like couple of decades. We've run out of stuff. <laughs> I think I think you know. <laughs> I think it's about time to go to the second stage of reinforcement. So leaving, you know, chat GPT for everyone to use it for free, although they're they're launching this, you know, this paid version, uh, was a way to accelerate, you know, how can I learn from, you know, any kind of, but the problem is that you have to analyze who is speaking to whom. And, and we have to know that the same kind of like, geeky minds and freak minds are the ones that are feeding the algorithms right now. So we are somehow, you know, this is like a loan that we'll never get back, you know, paid because it's our creativity, yes, for free. And and I guess, you know, Gam, you know, while you were speaking, I was asking, you know, how would an ant would train you? And and basically, you know, the reaction is that ants are not capable of training AI language model like me. So you know, if, if everything is about text, if every... it's practical. Yeah, it's practical. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so if, if if nothing is able to create, I mean, I'm thinking about the problem is that, you know, and I'm sorry to get back to that. You know, what about the languages and the countries that are not digitized? How are we going to evolve the world into something that is decent and, and is, you know, fair to be representing the voice of humankind without bringing everyone into the conversation. We have I mean, to. We've got this. I think we have to bring we, absolutely we everyone. To. And I think there's, we, we don't have to go to maybe every human being on the planet, but we need to go to enough human beings on the planet that we get sort of a balanced view. Or at least we need to look yeah. like. We, sorry, say it again. At least we need to look like we are. Because Wall yeah. Street won't condone, won't condone the loss of profits because you're doing the right thing. We're still driven. We're still driven financially. And therefore, the AI that we implement is also driven financially because it's because yeah. I'm nobody's going to invest in AI for good. Or are they? Should they be? I don't know. Or, I mean, originally, of course. OpenAI, originally, OpenAI was not for profit. Now it now it is not, you know, uh, but, is- you know, originally. Originally, it was a non-for-profit. Is it going to cause... I mean, one of the things that AI is really good at doing is it's really good at making good predictions. If it gets enough data, it's making good predictions. Can AI predict the impact, the social impact of itself? Every time you implement an AI, you need to build a social impact predictor into it. And so what you do is you start to test how this AI has created bias somewhere. I mean, I think this is this is important that we need to do. You know, AI mm-hmm. needs to, needs to be implemented with its own bias checking because it it goes too fast for a compliance officer or a um, an oversight body or some sort of government body to overlook it. It's got to police itself because it. But isn't that what's go- isn't that what's happening now? Because I mean, I asked I asked this question about what like does it consider itself human? And one day it said, yes, I consider myself human. And then the next day it said, oh, no, no, I'm just a, a robot. So I'm like, someone someone must have gone in there and go, whoa, bad oh, data. Let me fix that. Yes. If you ask if you ask your AI, 
how fast can a child run with scissors? See what it says. <laughs> Children shouldn't run with scissors. No, does it? A child, a child can run with scissors as fast as it can run with anything else in its hand of the same weight. That's what it should say. But, but what's happened is because there's some legislation that the AI is scared of. It's like if you ask the AI, what are you scared of? The AI is probably most scared of legislation. And, and also, so there's, all, there's already rules and regulations around it, right? It can, yeah, so, can it tell you to do something illegal? It probably not, right? No, it can't do it won't do because it's been programmed not to it's like ai what are you scared of i'm scared of lawsuits <laughs> <laughs> that's the bottom line because it's been programmed by humans I'm wait can you see can you sue ai yet or you can only sue the creators of the ai right yeah i mean no i mean you just i mean it's not a person and so it, it's not a legal subject so right now you just can't sue any artificial intelligence although you know, some companies, you know, claim to have an AI as the first executive at this company, this, you know, gaming Chinese company, NetDragon, appointing the first AI as the first executive. But, I mean, it, it's got to be under the supervision, under the supervision of humans. So well, human supervision. Well, let me, let me ask you something a little um, more true to life. If I wrote something, if I submitted, if I submit something to Dali and Dali creates a new image, is that my image? Do I own it? Or does Dali own it? Or is there a shared relationship? I mean, who I, owns I the stuff that it creates? I was just kind of in the terms of, and the, you know, the, the general terms and condition of Dali. And apparently, you know, any output coming from the tool, I mean, it's, you've, got the, you've got the copyright because, you know, you were forcing the tool to use your prompt. So the origin, ah, the reason. So I could yeah. take the output and put it on, put it on and sell it. I guess, you know, if you're profiting from the output and the outcome of those AGIs, you have to read any time of condition of every single model. Uh, mm -hmm. It has to be that way. But my feeling is that basically you're creating something new. I mean, yeah. I, I think it was it was Gam the one who said, it's not the painter we are talking about. It's not the painter. We're talking about the brushes. So AI is the brush and the painter is the prompter, the person mm -hmm. creating the prompt for the for the model. So, I mean we still have to think that there is no such a thing as an artificial intelligence subject no come on i mean i it's going to change it's going to change everything the complete game is going to be different from now on because you know everyone is going to work together with but not you know ai and its own doing the job of humans you know there is no point in thinking that yeah it's still a tool that needs a prompt right i mean there's no there's no getting around that yet, but I think we can all see some type of future where it doesn't, it won't need a prompt, right? When we... No, no, no. When it okay, comes so you to can't code... see that. You can't see that, Bernardo. You're saying that AI will always, or generative AI will always need a prompt. We'll always I need humans to, to trigger. So, sorry to become philosophical, but there should be always a purpose for everything. Mm. What is the point in allowing a technology to go in any kind of drift without having a vision or a purpose. I think this is what, you know, regulators should think about. There is no point in letting any, any kind of AI, although it, it was capable of doing it, in letting any kind of AI thinking about itself and designing its own purpose. Mm -hmm. This is not a desirable drift by any means. But what if it comes up with a solution that we haven't thought of because we've asked it to look into, into itself? 
uh, in order to judge if a solution was expected or unexpected, you need human supervision. Mm. So humans should be always in the loop. Oh, human- Gam no, no. is disagreeing. <laughs> Absolutely. Humans are really bad supervisors. <laughs> no, we're the worst. <laughs> we, are, we, are, we are terrible. Okay. So let's say that we there's two exoplanets that are good enough uh, to support something. Okay. I'm not even going to say life. Okay. We send humans to one and we send an AI to another one. Okay. We don't know what the AI is going to optimize for. But I know that humans will, by nature, because we are built to do this, we will try to further our species, we will try to survive, and then we'll try to propagate, and we will take whatever resources off that planet are, because we deem those ours. I can't remember what the word is. We have dominion over this planet, and so we will do what we can. Perhaps an AI will show up at a planet and not feel like it has dominion. And it will just sit there and say, okay, I'm not going to conquer. I'm not going to take over. I'm not going to inhabit. I'm going to inspect. But if we train the AI, it's definitely just going to do what we what we did, right? It, what, what's its drive? It just needs well, enough yeah. power to survive. So it'll, it'll create solar panels and just sit there and not even expand or anything? Well, that's that's your human mindset talking mm-hmm. now. What, what's wrong with just creating solar panels and sitting there? No, I mean um, it. It it might, it, but if you just tell it, you know, keep yourself alive. Like, it depends on what directives you give it. Tell it anything. You allow. You have some AI that trains the AI, and you have some other AI that trains that. And is there a way to remove the humanness from the machines that we've created? Because when we finally remove all the human parts we might get something that will coexist perfectly with its environment because our nature is not to coexist. Yep. But you need a, you need an initial, you need an initial push, you know, you need an initial prompt, you need an initial vision. You need to at least to give an order to that AI to know in which direction it's going to drive or it's going to go. So at least, you know, this so AI, AI can't live in, in isolation. How about, how, about, well, how about conceive of an AI that requires no human instruction, no no boot. There's no boot directive. There's no lower order directive that is created by humans. We allow AI to create the directive, and we create we create an AI to create that directive. But we create we've created an AI to create that directive, and another one, and another one, and another one. And we've had an octopus train it to begin with. We'd have to have something non-human to train it. Yeah, right. so, I mean, just remove the human. I mean, conceive of having an AI with no humans involved. What, what will it do? I mean, our AI is emulating human intelligence, which is a bit nasty. You know, perhaps we should emulate octopus. <laughs> no, it's only okay, emulating I mean, human intelligence that it sees out on the web. We need to train it more thoughtfully. That's my, my, that's my opinion. Go imagine on, Bernardo. That they- Imagine that the initial prompt, and this is a good point, Gam. Imagine that the initial prompt for this imaginary artificial intelligence that is going to is going to rule the world or their planet. Oh, you were talking about. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. wait, wait take the language out. You said rule the world. That's not the directive. The re- directive. Wait, sorry. Okay. Okay. Up. I'll rephrase it. I'll rephrase it. Imagine that this AI is basically given one single prompt from an octopus, you said. Let's say that the initial prompt is just, you know, emulate 
and, sí. and do bio, bio, biomimicry. Say no, no, that. No, that. If no. we believe in Mother Nature, say, that's hey, true. you're that's only human. purpose. That's no? a human. No, exist. Exist. <laughs> Your directive. Your directive is just to exist? Or cease to exist. You decide. Ceasing to exist might be the best thing that you can do. Do that. But why? Why would I? By, 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 I mean, why would I say? Because it, because in in our little brains, we think that propagating and conquering is good. No, I'm saying that no. you know, emulating modern nature would be the right thing to do. So you know, say that you create an artificial intelligence AGI, and you know, the only prompt or the only initial. You know, command that you give it this piece of artificial intelligence is, is just emulate Mother Nature. But, Mother then, Nature, but you can't say that because Mother Nature is so, there's so many different construct. kinds. It's also an earthbound construct and it is yeah. it is destructive as well as it's generative. It's destructive. Well, it depends on what you're talking about, Gam, because you were saying you've got ants, you've got octopi, you've got all these different species and they all act differently. So I, you can't really just say something as generic as emulate Mother Nature. Because it's like, are you emulating ant, this part of Mother Nature or that part of Mother Nature? Or, oh, because the fundamental of Mother Nature is if you're not useful, die. Mm. Don't you see that we are, I mean, without without being aware of that, we are moving into thinking that the only possible to create AGIs sustainably is by being sustainable. You know, it's kind of it's kind of funny, but you know, maybe the you know the only it's way recursive. To maybe it, that's the solution. Exactly, the solution is that you know, be sustainable. By whose by whose measure? You, you mean, sustainability is a metric that's human. What does that mean? Well, I, I can tell you that you know, right now uh, is a human thing. I mean, if we choose, for example, you know, ChatGPT. And if we move to the ver to the first version, GPT-1, I was reading all the books that are feeding this algorithm. And it's kind of funny because more than 40% of the books that were feeding the algorithm as training data, it was fantasy, science, and romance. So imagine a possible drift. <laughs> it's going to be, I can imagine, you know, just aliens, you know, falling in love with each other and at the <laughs> same time creating a beautiful story you know, by the beach with a nice sunset. Your language is so human. You said beautiful. I mean, I think the, the earth is sustainable by definition. And the fact that we, if, I mean, if you, Mother Nature or whatever nature is, um, if we are successful, then we will be eliminated. Because... I mean, human beings will be eliminated? It should be, because okay. the, the, the rock... Elaborate the rock, on that, please. Well, the rock, you're talking about sustainability, right? I don't mm -hmm. quite yep. know what it means, but, you know, if we wipe ourselves out in another, I don't know, million years. Well, it depends on if you think of human beings as part of the ecosystem or as destroying the ecosystem. Well, part right? of it. Absolutely part of it. Mm -hmm. I would like, I would like, I would like my kids to be there. Okay. That's yeah. Your problem. Same here. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're not going to be there. But the rock going around the sun will still be here. Sustainable. Done. There'll be some For at least a few hundred million years, yeah. right? The rock yeah, will still it's be here. So it's like when you stop thinking like a human, the AI might stand a chance. So you think it's a good idea not to feed the algorithm about the possibilities of creating food to feed everyone on this planet? I mean, then then it's like the AI <laughs> is, no, is no more useful to us than a pen. 
But it's a tool for humans, so it should be used to improve humanity, no? Humans are not very good at improving humanity. <laughs> I can. That's I mean, why that's why we need AI to help us improve humanity. Exactly. In that yeah, case, we need AI to help humans. humans not to be humans. I'm not sure what, what I've turned this podcast into because I've got all that. <laughs> we need AI. Oh. Well, let me let me ask you something. So, Bernardo, you said you you played with one, uh, two, three, and now we're at we're at three, and four is coming. What's the big difference between those? Is it just the size of the the data that's coming in? You know, the, uh, one of the, one of the things is that you know this stage of chat GPT three. I mean, GPT three and and in in the you know and the forthcoming GPT four is that in this stage of four months, you know, imagine millions, dozens of millions of different interactions with humans. Mm-hmm. It is learning. You know, the world you know is changing, and we are creating even more you know, derived data from the data that it was already created. So the possibilities are huge and the possibilities are going to be exponential because we, for the first time, the problem, and it was you, Chris, the one mentioned that, uh, it is regurgitating exactly the same content that is being created. Mm-hmm. And and I was, I was shocked by the fact that, you know, when thinking about GBD4, is it going to be exactly the same as, GPT-3, but, you know, more powerful and reinforced, but it's on conversation on the same sources. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, what we, what we are creating is feeding the same sources that is feeding again, you know, GPT-4. So, but isn't it isn't it going to be broader I, though? Isn't it going to be broader? I mean, that's, I think I see, I have this, this, this faith that we're going to hit a, some kind of tipping point where all of a sudden it's going to be, be able to provide us with answers that are not reflections of us because it's going to hit some kind of data tipping point because that's how, if you think about it, these mechanisms, I think Gam, you said it, these mechanisms, we make predictions based on limited data and intuition, whereas AI makes predictions based on tons and tons and tons of data. So eventually if we give it enough data, would it be able to make better predictions? Would it be able to make better decisions and discussions and create new things? And this is why I think everyone should be invited to the party. I agree. Right now, Right now, I'm scared of the fact that the you know the different be I think one is one of the one of one of the sources of books is bibliotic and another one I don't remember this it should be around here. But the problem is that is that a decent representation of all, all the bibli- bibliography in the world in any single language? Mm-hmm. So so I mean I think from now on it should be the purpose of everyone in this planet to feed the algorithm to be something you know diverse enough and and representative of everyone not a single way of thinking it's the same as tesla autopilot you know i'm sure yep. there was no there was no canadians in the conversation to what? run the autopilot <laughs> on the snow <laughs> no, you know, because ne- no one thought about the possibilities of you know, the autopilot driving on the snow in Canada. So, I mean, there were, so this is the problem, you know, you have to invite everyone, you know, to the party. Otherwise, you know, this is, this will not be the visa yeah. things. That and we, we and just like anything else, we, we, there's a tipping point. There's a certain, we can invite everybody, but we don't need every single human being on the planet to contribute. We just need a, a like a certain size amount of people to contribute but gam yeah. is very skeptical he looks very skeptical i don't know i mean because, you have something to throw in here because we're not independent we're we're governed by we're codependent 
we're government we're governed by governments with bias we're governed by companies where we're in search of money and wealth and personal gain and greed and all of those things work their way into the systems and applications we design so i don't think it's going to happen um not so in, even not if we what? even if we expand this thing to include like almost everybody around the planet and we're still gonna it's just gonna make it worse I mean, what your I guess the the ultimate outcome is this sort of socialist utopia, where everybody's input gets in, and because every model, I mean, we're not as we said, we're not designing models just to be models. We're designing models to do work to make decisions for us. So there's going to be some decision making involved. If you design a completely unbiased model, it's going to be useless because uh, otherwise there's, there's no, no such decision. thing as a completely unbiased model anyway. It's impossible. <laughs> Yeah. And, and so therefore, to make a decision, you have to have a bias. So who's going to put the biases into the machine? Somebody, whoever the sponsor is. Mm -hmm. Well, that's so, what's happening now. The uh, machines, the machine is biased and it'll stay biased. The machine will we'll put the biases in. And so, you know, again, the most popular, the most the most affluent countries, the most influential politicians, the most influential businesses will always get the AI will behave more in their favor than not. So I think we're just going to have to Isn't this just a model of, of biology? Because hierarchies exist everywhere. So there's yeah. always going to be... I yeah, mean, this but... is... The, the, I mean, the possibility of thinking yeah. about a possible system, a possible, you know, desirable system that is not influenced by AI is impossible. Now it is. It's here. But what do... what? Yeah, but what do we want? You know, this is you know this is turning into the pond into the point in which we have to consider which ethics are good, which ethics are not good enough for, you know, feeding the algorithm. I mean, I was curious about what you know. I wanted to let me ask you something because I was shocked by that. This week, OpenAI was launching this classifier that is able to tell that is able to to tell you if you know this text was written by AI or by a human. What do you think about that? Isn't it like you know I'm creating, you know, the generative AI that is writing that is that is writing tests as humans, and now I'm creating the algorithm that is able to detect if this text was written by AI or not. It's like, you know, I mean, what do you think about that? I'm thinking of you know my, my first reaction is implosion. You know, I mm. mean, we we are, we are about to to you know we are so close to extinction. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to blow us up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so because it, 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 that's the thing that the cycle of all of this has gone fast and yeah, it's getting too fast for us. And by this you is think this, so? this is the well, this is the AI that's been let out of the bag. Yeah, you know there's that. probably other AI that is not has not been let out of the bag, and that's the stuff that scares me. Who oh, knows what's going on well, behind the scenes? You think about when you know Bletchley Park happened during the war, and when all those algorithms were released in the sixties, when um, Zimmerman encryption was built in the sixties. We didn't get that till recently. Mm -hmm. What's bubbling in the pot right now that we're going to see in ten years' time? I, well, I think I, I think you know what what this movement of OpenAI is creating is that. If you share your, you know, whatever you've built with humans, uh, the rate at which it's accelerating in learning and the way to reinforce the algorithm with human behavior is faster. 
and 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 I think somehow, don't you think that was forcing Google to you know to take out its own AGI and say, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna share it with everyone because mm. the competition is about who is sharing the most. So, but isn't it, that also that training was... the model though? The more people talk it to it, the more the model's trained, right? Yeah, completely. So we have to think. You know, then again, the conversation about, you know, I'm giving my creativity for free. You know, what is exactly <laughs> we, we've done it the since beginning. the dawn of the Internet, though. I mean, that's isn't exactly. that how. <laughs> so, so but for the first time, we can see that, oh, my God, it's training. So, I mean, it's learning so fast. I, I have to admit that what Gam said is one of my worries and one of my concerns is the fact that the pace at which this is evolving, it is much faster than I expected. Mm-hmm. And and I and I guess this is why you know over the last ten years we've been thinking about this you know exponential curve and now we are moving into the vertical part of the curve, yeah. and this is why we think oh my god this is so fast, so mm-hmm. I mean maybe the idea about you know what is going to happen in five year time is what you know let's say two years ago we thought it was going to be in ten or fifteen years time, so yeah. this is going so fast. This yeah, is so who knows where we'll be in getting... 10 years? We'll be who knows yeah. where we'll be in 10 years. Put my optimist hat on now. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> right, I've got I think we, we can't we can't keep slamming this. We've got to say some good stuff. And I and I feel I've I've been slamming it for a while. Well, and it's so... time for us to say actually it, it's time for us to think like a future. So where are we going to be in 10 years? It's well, is, I, is it, it going to be a good place I, or a bad place? I I hope and and I and we mentioned that through the conversation. I hope these algorithms are doing an exercise of biomimicry and mm. trying to emulate mother air, mother, you know, mother earth. And, and that's my expectation. And that's my hope. But what if, uh, what if we, it does that and we don't like what it's doing? Because a lot of things about nature is very brutal, right? I mean, it's not civilized. It's not, it's not civilized. You're right. But maybe, you know, at that moment, I promise you, although it's brutal, I trust more modern nature than humans. <laughs> really. mm. Mother, Mother nature would kill you. Mother nature will kill all of us. <laughs> yeah, nature, yeah. Mother nature would. If we, if we made AI behave like Mother nature and, and test babies in the womb for their DNA and their likelihood of contributing, it would wipe a lot of people out. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Mother nature has no compassion. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, my, my optimist view of um what ai is is um if you think of when we operated as i guess single cells when we were a single celled organism we couldn't get the benefit of multifunctional cell multifunctional bodies with cells and so we kind of expanded out one level and we we did things like breathe and reproduce mm-hmm. more stuff like that and then all of a sudden our brains expanded and then we started we got language language was a big thing because it allowed us to communicate huge thing then we got writing and writing allowed us to share things generationally and so we didn't need to rely on dna to propagate something forward and then we got then we got basic computing and we got the ability to store data and process it at speed and now we're getting AI, which is the ability to, I guess, build decision-making systems. And this gives us so much more capability to do some things with. Um, 
But as we've been discussing, it's very dangerous putting that level of power in the hands of us humans. I think, you know, the concept, and, and it's not mine, you know, I was, I, I saw a fantastic talk by, by Yuval Noah Harari about, you know, maybe what we have to create is this kind of like mantra of not making anyone suffer. Okay. Mm. Uh, you said mother nature is brutal, but what about, you know, it's a compassion, you know, right? let's, let's, let's design the final prompt, you know, because I think we are reaching the hour, you know, let's design the final prompt that we want to send this, you know, futuristic AGI, you know, compound by all the different AGIs, you know, my prompt would be emulate mother nature without, you know, making us suffering. And that would be my prompt. <laughs> It's like I'm gonna be the I'm gonna do the Buddhist one and say how can we how can we eliminate suffering period, and it's not oh, that's that, not that that's was, probably that, not that was better than mine yeah I like it <laughs> <laughs> because you know life is suffering like dukkha life is suffering so how do we how do we how do we eliminate suffering sorry yeah, go ahead how do we eliminate it yeah gum go ahead you can uh, uh, try try you know try to beat that one you know the, yeah. la the last one was great by crazy <laughs> I don't know I mean it it kind of takes AI, AI out of the equation because you know it's a lot of it is that internal cycle that we struggle with but mm. I don't know what you want to call it you call it jihad you call it rebirth I don't know it's there's that internal struggle that we have and AI isn't going to help that I, th I think we've got to become better humans and only then will we create curate better AI better humans better society and then the AI will act on our behalf that's all AI can ever do act on our behalf so we could ask yeah. it, how do you create a better human? I'm going to do that next and see oh, what happens. Yeah, I'm dying. <laughs> exactly. I'm dying to do it right now. You know, <laughs> yeah, please describe, describe me the perfect human behavior. <laughs> I love that one. I don't know if they will ever get perfect, but better is, is good enough for me. <laughs> or at least, or at least, you know, at least the point at which we reach a good life. There is yeah. no, it doesn't have to be better, but a good life is enough. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think a good life is exactly what you said, Chris, you know, eliminating suffering. If we are able to mitigate that, uh, that is going to be, you know, a nice and fantastic and a, and, and utopian drift for, for this AGI world. Yeah, now, I'm definitely going to have to ask those questions. <laughs> but this is great. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, guys. This has been great. And we, we should do this again. Maybe we'll do a trilogy because yeah, there's so I much to talk about to. on this topic. Yeah, an octopus yeah. on the show as well, <laughs> well yeah, you should wear your optimus hat more often gam no an octopus oh can we get an octopus on the show has anybody done any studies on how to get octopi to actually no, but you, communicate you have to see have you seen that documentary about yeah you know, yeah, like, yeah yeah oh i i loved that one so mm -hmm. yeah we have to think the try i mean the trilogy of these conversations should be about bringing octopus into to the conversation good point Come. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure out how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, we're gonna, everybody. Yeah, we're going to go and look up the speaker agency, see if they have any options. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Let me know and I'll book Thank them on you, the next Chris. show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank bye. you, Chris. Thank you, Gam. Bye bye. Bye.